welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am not Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. Who are you again? Um, I think I'm Julie Sesnovich, but I can double check and get back to you. Okay, well, while you do that, I want to tell the listeners, in case somehow they don't know or ha- haven't been listening recently, why Tyler isn't on the show. Tyler is uh, going through some very serious medical issues. There have been minor improvements. Don't look to me to describe all of them. You can find all the information you want at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. And uh, that's where you can find the updates about what's going on. It's um, uh, it's it's promising, but it's moving. The progress is happening very slowly. And of course, what that means in, um, you know, our society functioning the way it does is that medical bills are piling up. And you will also find at that caring bridge side, a link to a GoFundMe to help Tyler and his wonderful family and his, and his, and his two kids, um, to help them, uh, uh, cover these medical costs. That's all there at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. So that's what you can do. That's where you can find it out. That's where you can help. If you can, I don't want anyone going broke, but if you can help, that would be great. Okay. Have you confirmed that your name is Julie Sesnovich? Yes. Confirmed. And I, um, I did bring someone along in fact, who I, well, I think first, he says he is. Well, before we get to that, I want to tell okay. you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Still cannot confirm if he's using them in, in the ICU, but uh, I know he used, used them before uh, he was going through what he was going through. Um, today, I was... Yeah, often I... Um, uh, try to highlight new albums that I was listening to, or sometimes I try to highlight the music of someone who passed away recently, which is uh, very sad. But also, uh, I have mentioned before that I am a regular reader of stereo, stereogum.com, and they have a column of anniversaries where they write about albums that are turning 10 or 20 years old. And uh, this past week, um, Iron and Wine's uh, debut album, The Creek Drank the Cradle, turned 20. So I re listened to that again, brought me all the way back to my uh, uh, hipster uh, college years, the years when I was first growing a beard and I uh, have, you know, uh, Iron and Wine, uh, Sam Beam from Iron and Wine to, to among other, many other hipster influences to thank for growing a beard. But uh, if you know the music of Iron and Wine, you know that he sings in a very soft, hushed tone. So those tweakedaudio.com earbuds came in very handy for listening to The Greek Drink the Cradle. Sounded great on those earbuds. You can find them at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension, you get one third off that already low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Julie, we're back. We're back. Who is who is your guest? Um, my guest is um, my partner of 14 years and the Bachelor Pretension editor at large. It's Scott Nye. I do want some people to go broke, but I'll select who <laughs> and they should just give their life savings to Tyler. 
I love go. the whole this format because it means that you're just sitting there like generating a pithy comeback for like five straight minutes. I That's just love great. this. The hope is that you guys don't move too far afield before I can get it in. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, um, this has been a as I was as I was saying, this has been a. Um, a tough time, obviously, uh, at Battleship Retention. And uh, Scott and Julie have helped uh, immensely, um, particularly in the field of coming up with topic ideas, because my brain is fried and I have not been able to do that. And uh, you guys came up with a great one that I'm actually very excited about. This one was all Julie. Uh, oh, I'll well, give it the credit. Well, thank you. Um, so by by way of explanation, I was, you know, thinking about the three of us here. So I grew up in Massachusetts. Scott grew up in Oregon. And David obviously grew up in Missouri. So these places are not Hollywood, but they have all had their share of kind of cinematic attention. They've all had their moment in the, in the pictures. Um, so I kind of, I wanted to explore movies that shot in these places, are set in these places, and just kind of like the cinematic picture that's formed from these places. Um, I would love to ask by way of introduction, um, I assume, you know, everyone probably did a little research on this topic and was what kind of like picture emerged? Like, is there any common themes or motifs or like what makes an Oregon movie or what makes a Missouri movie? And if that question is too vague, I can, I can explain for myself. So Massachusetts movies are a very weird hodgepodge because there's three main categories, which are very different. Um, one is gritty crime drama. Um, one is set at a prestigious college. And another one is like historical or true story. Um, there's obviously a bunch of miscellaneous ones as well, but I did notice that as like a running thread. So I'm curious if you guys noticed any themes in that way. Yeah, mine definitely reinforced uh, a strong image I have of the Northwest, which is like a little counterculture surrounded by nature, but very working class. And most of the films that I ended up finding, at least the ones I'd seen, kind of like honed in around a general portrait of that kind of environment. Um, I I would say that the first off, I focused more on St. Louis than Missouri as a whole or the St. Louis area. If I'm focusing on, I should have thought to focus on Missouri as a whole, because there has been kind of a little cottage industry of, um, mid Missouri horror, the okay. most, um, the highest profile member of which is your next, your next is a, okay. uh, a, a Missouri movie shot, I think outside of Columbia, Missouri, um, and, and, uh, is a great representation, but I know that, I've known people who have gone, uh, uh, I've, I've had people that I know from LA who make horror movies tell me like, Oh, you're from Missouri. Columbia is a cool little town that people don't know about because they go there <laughs> to make horror movies. But Columbia is a, is a cool little town. It's a college town. Um, it's, it's not on a par of like Austin or whatever, but it's Missouri's Austin is, is Columbia. Um, what it says on the way in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're really um, selling it yeah but as far as what uh yeah because if i were talking about missouri as a whole i also could have talked about winter's bone i guess i just did talk about winter's bone the ozarks um the, the tv show ozark we're not doing tv and also i haven't watched ozark um but i would say most times that st louis is used it is not flattering okay, it is used sure. either to be like a boring place or 
in at least one major example, um, an awful place, like an awful like, <laughs> place that has been, well, I'll just say it right now. So there's that, boring and awful. Got it. Well, there are, there are very few movies that have shot St. Louis for something else. Okay. Okay. One of them is John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Oh, <laughs> he used okay. a lot of actual early 80s St. Louis to play like post-apocalyptic Manhattan. <laughs> so that's huh. the kind of feel of definitely like, and I think, I mean, downtown St. Louis now, like a lot of America's downtowns uh, has been revitalized, be largely gentrified. Um, so it doesn't really look like that anymore. There's a lot of, you know, lofts and gastropubs and sure. businesses and, you know, the, those kind of places where people live and work in the same uh, area, like the Grove or whatever here under the Americana. Um, there's, there's that sort of thing, but in, yeah, in the, uh, in the eighties and nineties, and especially um, St. Louis was seen as a, uh, a broken, desolate, violent crime ridden, place you know one of the up until superstore not i know we're not talking about tv but up until superstore the the biggest like sitcom representation we had of st louis was does anyone remember the short-lived john larroquette show where that, um, that was the name of it the short-lived john larroquette show <laughs> no, it was called the john larroquette show okay and john larroquette played the night manager of the downtown st louis greyhound station the point was that the idea was that it was like a dark show where there there were like it was a sitcom but also there were like you know drug dealers and gangs and stuff shocked this didn't last <laughs> well no that, that's just the funny thing. i say the first season was like that because it was a ratings disaster, but it got renewed on the promise of making it a less dark show. And okay. so literally this, the second season, he's the daytime manager and there's like a coffee shop and it's like a fun bus station all of a sudden. And you then got it a got promotion. Paid. Great but, save. Um, the first season is at least, I don't know. It's been so long since I've watched it. Obviously I was a kid. I don't know if it was actually good or not, but it definitely seemed like it was trying something trying to be this kind of like darker sitcom anyway so that's what st louis was for i think a, mm -hmm. uh, a a long time the other the other m main movie that has shot st louis for other places but also including st louis um is um jason reitman's up in the air up in the air mm -hmm. most of like you see they're flying around to, you know, like Omaha and Columbus and all these sort of like mid-tier American cities. Most of that was actually shot in St. Louis, including the scenes that take place in St. Louis. And there's a whole part where George Clooney has a monologue about the Lambert Airport and the architect who designed it and stuff like that. And that's great. Great St. Louis representation there. But it's also very funny. That they were like, yeah, St. Louis can play every place where it looks like, you know, people are droning their lives away in cubicles <laughs> and just waiting to get uh, to get laid off um so yeah that's kind of we'll get into more but that's that's the st louis is rarely used as a positive place unless it's the past which in many cases isn't actually even shot in st louis yeah. sure this this is very educational to me because scott and i have lived in each other's home states like we both like because we went to college in boston then we lived in portland so we're fairly versed in that but between us we have spent a cumulative 48 hours in st louis it's not cumulative though it's entirely me i know but, but that <laughs> oh, still, right. is still between <laughs> us i i admit i'm contributing nothing but i'm saying we we look to you as a as a scholar on this topic well it is funny that you've essentially 
confirm my picture of St. Louis because before we started recording, Julie asked me, so what was St. Louis like that 48 hours you were there? I was like, pretty boring. <laughs> uh, so already. I mean, there's uh, like to, to come to St. Louis's defense, there is a lot of history there and it's actually a really interesting city because um, at the turn, there was a time that St. Louis was what I think Chicago has become now, like the second city to New York, to mm. New York. When there was a time when during, you know, in the 1800s and, and the time of Westward expansion, you know, St. Louis was like every explorer or every frontiersman or every pioneer, or every, you know, uh, whatever you want to call them, however you want to uh, characterize them. That was everyone's last stop before they set out. So it was a major hub. Um, and there's a reason why, you know, um, in, at the, in the early in the first decade of the 1900s the st louis was host to the olympics and also host to the world's fair it was a big deal and then it kind of like petered out and chicago became uh, uh the big city which is why there is to many one of the many reasons there is to this day kind of like a one-way rivalry where st louisans sure. are like uh mad at chicago but then also a lot of them like myself go and live there in Chicago and largely don't really think of St. Louisans uh, that often, uh, kind of, a you know, um, Don Draper, uh, uh, what was oh, his name? name? Yeah. What oh, was and- Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Yeah. Ginsburg situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what you did when you were in St. Louis, but there is like forest park, which is like uh, where a lot of the, um, buildings from the world's fair, um, and, and the grounds from the world's fair still exist is a beautiful park. One of the, I would say one of the most beautiful, uh, city parks. I know. And there's also a forest park in Portland, right? It's there also is. called that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been to that one, uh, also very beautiful. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, St. Louis is, is an interesting place. If you know what to do, it also is a fascinating food place. Um, it, it has, uh, you know how like a lot of cities in America have like that one weird thing. St. Louis has, has like a half dozen of them. And okay. they're, they're all super. I would like, say a lot of these, a lot of cities have many weird things. Yeah. I mean, I mean like food wise. Oh, food things. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Like there's that one. Where, oh yeah. Like, um, Rochester, New York is where you go for garbage plates or whatever. Yeah. Like, um, St. Louis has like toasted ravioli, but then it also has like the St. Paul sandwich. Then it also has gooey butter cake. And there's like more that I, um, am not thinking of right now. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's a strange, strange place. Um, but, uh, I've gone on way too long about St. Louis, uh, without talking this episode about episode sponsored by the St. Louis tourism board. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've gone too long without talking about movies. Let's talk about movies. Sure. Let's. Um, so how do you want to organize this episode? Well, are we I mean, around or are we focusing on one city at a time? I mean, I, I figure we could trade off cause I broke mine down by the aforementioned categories I listed. I don't know if anyone else has that many categories. I kind of got like two to three. Okay. So that's what I have to, um, okay. I, Let's see what you got. I can start off by talking about what I would loosely describe as the mid aughts Boston crime movie explosion. <laughs> Okay. Um, so I would say this is probably the most well-known genre out of Massachusetts is the gritty crime movie. Um, I think one of the first big ones was the friends of Eddie Coyle, which if you haven't seen it is an amazing movie from the seventies starring Robert Mitchum. Um, it's based on a novel. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's really good. It's just a really good, like noir crime movie. Um, then about actually just, you weren't on the show, but I mentioned friends of Eddie Coyle just last week. Oh, really? 
with 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 Scott because I was talking about how like low rent the NHL used to be and like <laughs> it's funny that the Boston Bruins are like like I don't think I I feel like the Boston Bruins ownership today would read a script like the friends of Eddie Coyle and be like, I don't know if we want to be associated (laughs) with like, this is the place where the guy takes his buddy to get him drunk before he sends him off to get shot in the head. (laughs) (laughs) But the, like there's full on just like Boston Bruins action uh, there. Now I feel like major sports teams are so much more protective and kind of Disney card. So that's, that's a great picture. And then about 25 years later, you get boondock saints um, and then somehow something's in the water that like three or four years later, suddenly there's a huge pileup of these all at once. Um, it's tax credits in the water, if I remember correctly. Well, there are tax credits in the water. So, um, Mystic River was an early one. Um, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, The Fighter, Shutter Island, Edge of Darkness, What Doesn't Kill You. Um, and I will say Scott and I saw the departed together in maybe the most Boston experience of our lives. If you want to describe that situation. Oh, I mean, it was, so it was a preview screening. So it was one that we got like passes. It was maybe from the video store you worked at at the time. Or like a newspaper or, or a newspaper or something. One of those. Um, but it was in the largest auditorium at the Boston common theater, which I think seated like 650 people. Or so something. like right downtown. Yeah. It was a gigantic screen and it was, rented out by the studio, not only to like hype up uh, preview audiences, but it also had press there. It had either members of the Dropkick Murphys or just they reserved seats for friends of the Dropkick Murphys because there were signs on them. I think the Wahlbergs had some seats too. So it was like hardcore Boston shit, but not like high enough celebrities to actually get like Mark Wahlberg there. It was just like a friends of Mark Wahlberg screening. Right. Um, and then full of Boston locals who screamed at the screen every time something was vaguely inaccurate geographically, mm-hmm. or in probably my favorite example, just the degree of cell phone reception inside the Boston tea. Yeah. So I, I think there's a scene where like uh, DiCaprio like takes a call while he's on the subway and the whole audience in unison is like, he wouldn't get reception. <laughs> and I'm like, am I, this is the most Boston moment of my life. We will never talk. Yeah. Cause there's kind of two things going on there. Cause they skip a stop on the T when he's right? going downtown. Mm-hmm. And so we automatically clock that. And then he brings out his phone and it's like, what are, what are we doing here? The people are livid. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so there's, these are all happening at the same time. Um, I think I, Mystic River really kicked it off because it was yeah. so successful and I like, got all those Oscar nominations and it was a Dennis Lehane ap- adaptation. Yeah. So from there you get Gone Baby Gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know The Departed isn't a Lehane adaptation, but it's kind of in the same vein. For sure. And like, mm-hmm. I have very mixed feelings about this genre because like on the one hand, I love the representation. I love seeing the city on screen, but it does, it paints a very narrow picture of a certain type of like it makes i don't know if people outside of boston saw all these movies and are like what the hell's going on over there like is this just like a cesspool um well, i think that's one thing the departed does well is it shows sure. like you have uh vera farmiga's character who's just kind of like a working professional respectable person um so it shows that there are other elements than just like people with very thick accents yelling at each other and punching in the, each other in the face um also black mass coming on kind of the tail end of that which i did not care for but i will say no. as a as a um viewing alternative might i suggest the boston globe video where they go around interviewing locals after whitey bulger has died sure <laughs> it is a masterpiece of boston cinema um uh seth myers has a great 
video he did on his show called Boston Accent, the movie that is a parody of all of these. And it, it's very fixated on the accent. And it has all these archetypes like the British guy trying his best, um, <laughs> the guy who gives up halfway through. Which Black Mass is all of these. Oh, Black Mass is absolutely all of these. And then he's like excessive listing of suburb names. Yeah. It's like, where do you want to do the meetup? Taunton? What about Watertown? What about Worcester? And then he's like, this scene goes on for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, so that's. I remember I had a friend who said that The Departed was just two and a half hours of I'm not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously in mentioning that, I do have to briefly discuss the Boston accent and how many people nobly struggle and fail. The thing about the Boston accent, it's insane. It sounds insane when you do it wrong and it sounds insane when you do it right. Um, people can't win. You really cannot win. Like unless you have like a Wahlberg or an Affleck in your movie, it's just a sea of actors just flailing. It's like my heart goes out to them. It, re it really does. Um, I will say that of the brave souls who have attempted the non-native brave souls, I would say Dakota Johnson. Johnston did OK in Black Mass. I don't remember. I forgot she was in that movie. I, I literally was watching YouTube clips today to like support this thesis, because what a lot of people don't get is that they think it's like pack the cat, but it's like the words are not elongated. It moves at a normal pace. So you have to be like casual about it. So mm -hmm. she was good. I feel like Jeremy Renner did OK in the town. Yeah. And Melissa Leo did OK in the fighter. Sure. I would say of my brief okay. journey through YouTube today, those are the people who acquitted themselves the best. But like Leo DiCaprio, oh, baby, no. Big no. Yeah. It just it's so hard. It sounds insane. It I, does. I, I've said this before. Like there was a time when no one cared about this sort of thing, like hyper specific accents. Yeah. And I think Fargo kind of kicked off mm. like, let's really? try and okay. be specific. Because like they weren't trying to get like, you know, Sam and like, uh, and, and the gang on cheers to talk like, sure. that, you, you know, um, but like, I was thinking, I never watched mayor of East town, but getting like, I know that one of a big thing about mayor of East town was they had the specific, like that part of Pennsylvania accent was like a big part of it. And it's just like, so strange that people didn't, people didn't do that. There was like sort of yeah. vaguely East coast and there was vaguely Southern and yeah. now people are more specific and I kind of like it, but it also leads to the, like the shaming, the criticism of it as well. But I am looking forward to someday someone doing a, a real St. Louis movie and having, I want to okay. see big name actors. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I want to see, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, not only do an American accent, but talk about, uh, taking highway farty far. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean again my heart goes out to them i'm not here to shame i am here to like provide empathy and say like i'm sorry that you're in this movie and this movie is asking this of you um because even in my own family i have relatives with the boston accent and even listening to them i'm like this is weird like you've heard my family oh, yeah. some of the like some words sound british sometimes they'll speak an entire paragraph where the accent is undetectable like it is it is bonkers um, so yeah, my heart goes out to them, but yeah. Um, so. All right. So I was trying to put my list into groups and I realized another thing that is very common to St. Louis movies to the point where almost, almost all of my movies actually fall into this. So is, one group. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was trying to put yeah. in groups and I realized, oh, this covers everything. 
Um, there are very few movies that take place in St. Louis from start to finish. St. Louis okay. is often a stop in the movie. I mm, mentioned, sure. I mentioned up in, uh, up in the air where St. Louis is just one of many places they go. Um, a movie that I have actually, uh, this is going to make me sound like a bad comedy geek, I guess, but I've actually never seen national Lampoon's vacation from beginning to end. Um, forgive you. I don't know that I, I have know, either. Come to think of it. Yeah, but I know St. Louis is one of the stops, and I know that the joke is, again, that it's a crime-ridden place. It's where their car gets, like, graffitied or whatever. Um, but uh, um, there's there's so many, like, multiple road trip movies um, that where people stop in St. Louis. The Brown Bunny, Vincent Gallo, stops and, like, has a meal um in st louis on his cross-country motorcycle trip and then the the biggest one to this day the first movie that i think of when i think of st louis because for two reasons i think it was probably the first movie i saw where i was like that's st louis that's where i live and they shot there and also the scene they shot there is a very memorable scene especially for a boy who's not generally allowed to watch already r-rated movies but uh planes trains and automobiles Sure. Has a, an extended scene at the aforementioned Lambert International Airport. And that's where um, Steve Martin has his breakdown where he says, like, the fucking car right. in the fucking parking lot. And then what's her name is like, you're fucked. So that, that whole <laughs> scene, the whole reason the movie even has an R rating is because of that scene where they say fuck two dozen times, which was very exciting to me as a kid <laughs> and knowing that it shot in St. In St. Louis. But again, that's another one where it's just a stop um, right. on, on a road trip. And there's a, there's a couple more, but they, they kind of fit into another category. So I'll put those off for later. Cool. Well, my first category is just kind of general Oregon wilderness, um, which Oregon has a lot of, and a lot of different uh, topographies. I think I'm using the word, right word here. I think so. There's like, you got rivers and mountains and snow mm -hmm. and yeah. rain and densely forested areas and all kinds of different things that you can, uh, squeeze out of Oregon uh, so much so that they shot not only the original Incredible Journey movie, but Homeward Bound, the Incredible Journey, the virtual remake of the 60s Disney movie. Now with um, more animal talking. Now with more animal talking. <laughs> I've never seen the original the Incredible Journey, but that was a big thing I discovered in research is that they didn't seem to cast humans to voice the animals. So I don't know. 60s audiences were just easier to please, I guess. They didn't need Michael J. Fox in there kind of like talking them along. Um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never seen that. the original either, but I, yeah, I saw the home, Homeward. I saw Homeward Bound a lot as a kid. Yeah, Homeward Bound had a profound effect on young Scott. He, he <laughs> well, we cried had, just thinking about it. Um, um, like many Midwestern middle class families, we like I was never on a I was on an airplane until I was seventeen. If we went somewhere on vacation, we drove there, no matter yeah. where it was. And so we had a full size van that had a TV and VCR. Oh, that was always what I wanted growing up. Yeah. Yeah, so Homeward Bound and the Sandlot were big, heavy in rotation on, sure. on Bax family road trips. Just get the kids crying. They'll, they won't <laughs> notice how long you're driving. Yeah. Um, in addition to those, though, uh, I found that the, the general shot a good amount in Oregon, uh, kind of like pulling train track stuff uh, in the densely forested area there. Um, FDW Mount City Girl uh, shot some of its uh, wilderness stuff in wow. Oregon as did the excellent Western uh, day of the outlaw shot in what is now a vacation resort area. Day of the outlaw is a very desolate 
Western, like very much edge of civilization stuff. It's a great movie um, and portrays a vision of Bend, Oregon that is uh, out of step with the current reality is um, more leisurely now. Um, Oh, Into the Wild, uh, the Sean Penn movie shot some stuff in the Oregon wilderness. Uh, Leave No Trace shot closer to Portland, but kind of similar vibes and kind of gets to how much of uh, Oregon is either forested or forest adjacent, but its most urban area still has a uh, sizable forest component. And I will interject with Leave No Trace, do they show the, the tram to OHSU, I feel like? Yeah, they do. There, There's a hospital that's at the top of a mountain and you have to take like a ski lift to get there, which is very weird. If you have an emergency, you know, they'll yes. take you by ambulance and they have a helipad, in fact. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But for the people who work there and maybe just going there for a routine appointment, yes, you do park at the bottom of a hill and then take a very adorable tram to the top. Um, let's see. Oh, well, the shining shot at, um, it's exterior stuff at the Mount Hood Lodge or Timberline Lodge, sorry. Um, and which is just outside of Portland, about an hour or so. Um, let's see, what else do I got on the forested side of things? Well, I guess kind of similar to Leave No Trace, Pig, of course, is kind of Mm. a big recent Portland movie, um, gets more urban as it goes along but uh, starts with kind of Nick Cage on the outskirts of Portland, living in the woods and uh, I don't know, shuffling for truffle. That would <laughs> digging for truffle. You don't shuffle. Yeah. Truffle. I don't think you shuffle. You I shuffle mean, that off sounds more fun. Buffalo. You shuffle but, off yeah. to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. That, I guess that did clue me into thinking about, I should at least mention that the Goonies shot a lot in the Oregon coast, but I hate the Goonies. So we should move on. We don't talk about the Goonies. Um, I would also say I didn't, I was curious about Portland movies too, you know, having lived there, I feel like I have some skin in the game. Um, didn't wild shoot there or is it just set there? Um, I saw that it had, but I couldn't remember anything too specific about it. Okay. And of course she like, she's hiking the whole what Pacific coast trail or yeah. whatever. So yeah, she ends up there, but I couldn't remember to sure. what degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, are, are we just going in a circle? Yeah. What's your next pick? category? Yeah, my, my next yeah. category yeah. is set at prestigious um, institutions of higher learning. Okay. Um, so this is a complete pivot from the, you know, horrible crime ridden slums of Southie to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is Massachusetts has a number of very famous colleges. Um, so probably actually one of the first commercial films to shoot on location Boston at all is a pretty good movie from 1950 called mystery street. Um, it stars Ricardo Montalban and it's like a murder mystery that has a big forensics element. Like it was kind of um, in that early wave of movies where like the audience doesn't know what forensics are. So it maybe over explains by modern standards, but they did a lot of location shooting. And I think the the expert they call in or whatever, like works at Harvard. So that was like one of the first times they shot at Harvard. Um, you jump forward a little bit, you get love story, very famously shot on the Harvard campus. Apparently they fucked up some trees while they were shooting and Harvard was so mad that you pretty much can't shoot there anymore. <laughs> That's oh. why they shoot the social network there. Cause Harvard just won't let you do it. Yeah. So it's Harvard like, um, is still mad. You have, Apparently, Abel Ferrara is to blame for the fact that you can't shoot in Catholic churches in New York City. Really? Because of bad lieutenant. Well, Abel Ferrara will ruin just about anything for you. Yeah. <laughs> so then you, um, you know, jumping ahead, obviously, the social network. We know it shot a little in other parts of Boston, not on the Harvard campus, because we knew someone who was an extra in it. Um, yeah. 
and it was like just at a party scene or something. So they shot in the area and like at different like um, bars and just things around there. Um, Goodwill Hunting disappointingly shot largely in Toronto. I was very sad to hear that, but I do wow. think the scene of them on the bench, I think, is in the Boston. Country. That is, yeah. So There's like a couple of we, mistakes. You know, we get our, our big moment there. Um, the movie Twenty One. I never actually saw that, but that's set at Harvard. Um, they Harvard and MIT actually. Um, did did either of you see that movie? No, no. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's a um, Kevin Spacey, they, like, gambling movie? Yeah. 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 Apparently, they do go to an old Julian Scott college haunt, which is the South Street Diner. That's apparently where they, like, lay out the master plan. Um, what a what a place. <laughs> it was the only 24-hour dining establishment in the whole city. Let alone the only place you could go after about, I don't know, 9 p.m. <laughs> if you were under 21. Um, that was always quite a struggle but the food was terrible and so it's always like i guess we can go there it exists <laughs> and there'd always just be the worst people hanging around there and yeah it was just a bad scene we went there one time when you were flying home for christmas we went there like 3 a.m where else could we go we couldn't we couldn't um you also have um carnal knowledge actually shot at amherst um so then in the western mass contingent you have the colleges out there so you carnal knowledge at amherst um Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf shot on the Smith College campus, also in Western Mass. Apparently, Mike Nichols later regretted it because in the play, it just says New England. So mm. there's some flexibility. And Mike Nichols was like, we got to do it. We got to do it. And then after the movie came out, he's like, I now realize we could have done this on a soundstage. <laughs> there was a little bit of regret around that. Um, Legally Blonde, set at Harvard, didn't shoot there. They're still mad about the trees. Um, didn't shoot in Massachusetts, though? Um. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mona Lisa Smile shot at Wellesley. It's set at Wellesley. It shot at Wellesley. Um, Great fall Boston movie. Yeah. In Googling that, it turns out there was drama. Apparently the stat, like the, the institution felt very bait and switched by the movie. They were like, we saw a different draft and we feel like, like people got mad and they thought it portrayed the movie and portrayed the college in a horrible light. I mean, I like Mona Lisa Smile a lot. It's about the most anodyne movie. You, like to be offended by Mona Lisa Smile, you'd really have to be trying. I mean, <laughs> I listen. It, it seemed like a lot of feathers were ruffled. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and then also more recently, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, um, that movie about the the guy who created um, Wonder Woman. Uh, that was another Harvard one. Again, some shooting in Massachusetts, but you can't get near Harvard because they're still mad about the damn trees. They're not uh, letting that go. I know I'm jumping my turn here, but this kind of inspires me to do a subcategory of films that are just kind of incidentally shot in Portland that really like don't have anything to say about the city, but which are fun to note anyway. Um, the one that really means a great deal to me is Mr. Holland's Opus because it's shot on the high school uh, that is directly adjacent to where my grandparents lived for about 50 years. And so they were shooting wow. there while they lived there and like, well, it's kind of a drag because we were young and we couldn't go to the the high school has like a swimming pool and a park and stuff. And we couldn't really do that for a solid summer there because Richard Dreyfuss had to teach kids how to love music again. <laughs> um, I like how this has just turned into like a vendetta against Richard Dreyfuss. Well, I, it, I also felt compelled to see the movie because it was like so exciting sure. that this big production was there. But I was like eight when it came out. And it was like the most boring thing I'd ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Except for like recognizing Grant High School, which was pretty cool. Sure. Uh, the Ashley Judd, Tommy Lee Jones thriller Double Jeopardy shot a good deal in Portland. 
Um, I don't remember the movie too well, except that it was like a key early Scott uh, thriller that I was like, oh, movies are pretty tight. I saw one like 13 on a plane. Um, the other thriller, 90s thriller that I have to bring up is Body of Evidence shot a great deal in Portland. Um, I, I really, really says nothing about the city. I just like to bring up Body of Evidence because it's the movie in which Madonna is put on trial for uh, fucking a man to death. Um, <laughs> her body is the evidence, you see. I didn't um, know that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Uh, it unfortunately has more courtroom scenes than you might care for with that premise. <laughs> and really like diving into this case that makes no sense and would never be brought to trial. But um, if you ever want to see the machinations of ridiculous law uh body of evidence will provide that plus then madonna fucks willem dafoe on top of a car full of glass so it really has something for everybody bring the family um i was gonna bring up i know i I don't know why my mind keeps going to tv today i was gonna bring up a tv show for each of your cities and then i looked them up and realized they're both vancouver (laughs) yeah uh fringe that'll happen Fringe is a Boston show. Um, I mean, it takes they they jet all around solving these uh, crimes, but their their main like headquarters and lab is in a basement at Harvard. But okay, shot sure. uh, shot in Vancouver. And then I was going to ask Scott if you remembered the very short lived Tom Everett Scott uh, uh, troubled paramedic drama Saved, which was no. a, a, it was a Portland show made a big deal about being in Portland. It was always very rainy. Um, but, uh, apparently Vancouver, there was some, I was trying to remember you mentioning this. Oh yeah. They shot a lot of grim in Portland. Oh, okay. I I think that was the show that I had some friends who did like theater in high school, who they did like some guest spots on grim and like minor roles because it's like what acting job are you going to get in Portland? Yeah. Yeah. I think also when we're looking at Portland movies to go back a little bit to like body of evidence, double jeopardy, we looked and like, in the 90s and early aughts, there was just this huge string of made-for-TV movies and thrillers shot in Portland. Yeah. For some reason. 15 and Pregnant, Switch to Birth, <laughs> like all the classic Lifetime oh, wow. movies. Yeah. Secret. And they Portland. were they're not just set there, but shot there. You're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of curious to like go back and watch them because the plot synopses, they specifically mentioned like the Portland suburbs they're from. And I'm like, this is more key to the plot than I expected from Switch to Birth. Yeah. Uh, my next category, um, kind of, this was like 10 minutes ago, but you mentioned 21 gambling movie. Mm-hmm. One of the things that St. Louis is apparently known for is, uh, riverboat gambling, because okay. I could think of three examples. Um, uh, there's, uh, the, uh, the whole like finale of Maverick, the Mel Gibson Maverick takes place at a poker tournament on a riverboat in St. Louis. They did not shoot it in St. Louis and it does not look like St. Louis. They mm. shot it's a western that they mostly shot in the Southwest and it looks like the Southwest. It doesn't look yeah. you know verdant uh or or St. Louis or Missouriish uh, at all. But uh two more recent movies um which both also would qualify as kind of road trip movies. Um Mississippi Grind Oh yeah. Um, there's a, um, yeah. Um, there's a whole scene where, um, they're on one of the river boats, um, gambling. That's what you do on the river boats. And they, and Ryan Reynolds like steps outside to have a cigarette. And there's all these shots of downtown St. Louis from, from the river that are like really beautiful, 
um, shots. That was a good um, showcase, I think, for St. Louis. A really good showcase, even though I don't think the movie ever calls out that this is in St. Louis. A more recent gambling movie, The Card Counter. Um, okay. hmm. The um, the very memorable scene where Tiffany Haddish takes Oscar Isaac to walk through the 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 lights the light show in in the garden. Yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, that is in in Forest Park in in St. Louis. That's a real event called Garden Glow um, that you could actually uh, do. And I, but I don't think I think part of the deal of that movie is they rarely mention what because the part of the deal is I, I think that every place is supposed to feel the same. So I can't remember yeah. if they ever say it St. Louis. Right. I feel like yeah, that would have stuck out to me. Um, but that was was shot in in St. Louis. So. Uh, yeah, the St. Louis is also a place. I mean, increasingly there are like gambling is becoming more and more uh, available uh, all over the country, and I'm not uh, complaining about that. I'm not uh, some moral moralist, but um, uh, that was, I think, for a long time one of the things that St. Louis, being on the Mississippi River, was known for was having sure. uh, uh, riverboat casinos. Um, I'll I'll go. So. Um... Yeah. So then my third more formalized category is true story slash historical component. Um, Massachusetts is a very old state. It has a lot of history um, and that comes through. Um, For example, the movie Glory was shot partially there and takes place partially there. Um, I looked up if there were any Revolutionary War movies shot there. Turns out there's just kind of no Revolutionary War movies except The Patriot, which is focused in the South, I believe. Um, they just don't make movies about that war. They're just not into it. I don't know why that is it's kind of a boring war. It's kind of a boring but it's war. Right. I, mean, I mean, I don't know. We all well, agree pro- on it. <laughs> True. In, in, well, these, in these times of uh, whatever. I mean, part of the problem is like, I think if you I got more into like the espionage or the behind the scenes, it could be interesting, but the actual battle, it's like back when they, it was literally like appointment battling. Yeah. Like you show up you at a set in time, take five minutes to load your you rifle, take five minutes to load a rifle. It's like yeah. really hard yeah. to make that compelling. They could do like, yeah. Like the black book of, uh, not the for Hoven movie, the reign of terror. Yeah. Anthony man. They could do that kind of version of the war. Cause there was a good deal of espionage back then. Sure. Um, in terms of kind of some like, historical figures um any emily dickinson movie is naturally going to be massachusetts so a quiet passion and the far more irreverent wild nights with emily um both recent good movies were there um little little women again it's not quite like historical but you know it's based on her life so any version you see is set there the only one that really shot there is the recent gerwig one gerwig is here for the authenticity um Apparently the nineties one was mostly in Canada again with Classic. stupid Canada coming in. And it's like, hey, as we love Canada who, on this podcast. Sure. <laughs> but like, as someone who grew up in Massachusetts, like watching the most recent little women, like obviously I loved the movie on its own merits, but I feel like it really captures the aesthetic of that. Um, and the locations really help with that. Um, also, I don't know if this counts as like historical, it's like historical adjacent Massachusetts has Salem. So there is the whole like witch trial element. So Hocus Pocus set there, shot there. Um, I realize again, Hocus Pocus is not a historical film, but I didn't really know where else to put it. Um, they they shot the sequel in Rhode Island though. So that's lame. Um, any version of the Crucible you see is set there. Um, the Rob Zombie movie, Lords of Salem set there, shot there. 
Um, in more recent history, um, Malcolm X, Malcolm X is from Boston, um, but they didn't shoot any in Boston. I kind of feel like if Spike Lee like leaves like the city of New York, he like can't breathe anymore. Like we, he needs to be there in order to live. So yeah, all shot in New York. Um, Spotlight, Spotlight is a very good Massachusetts movie where I respect they are not trying to do accidents. <laughs> They are a little bit. Yeah. Michael Keaton's putting Michael on. Keaton is doing it, but it's also like that is a much more like white collar Massachusetts yeah. movie. And it's like, it is a city that because of the colleges, it attracts people from all over. Like if you meet people who live in Boston, they're probably not from there unless you're, you know, in Southie. Um, and in very recent history, um, we had the, the double header of Boston marathon bombing movies. So you had um, Patriot's Day and Stronger, Stronger kind of dealing more with the aftermath. Um, real assortment of accents go running through those. But um, I also, I can't remember if they address this in the movie, but this is something I knew watching it that I don't know if everybody knows. Patriot's Day is a holiday in Massachusetts. It's a holiday on which the Boston Marathon occurs. And I'm like, if you don't know that, the title of this movie sounds insane. Yeah, but it's also like if you're already there for Peterberg, Mark Wahlberg shit, you're like, yeah, Patriot's Day, fuck yeah. But I feel like I learned that fact when the bombing happened. I feel like, okay, but I, I don't know yeah, if everyone yeah. else did, but I feel like I knew that by the time I saw the movie. Okay, fair. Like, I Again, I from yeah, I think I didn't ridiculous even... movie by the way. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's ridiculous. I did. Yeah, it's got some good sequences in it, but uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Peter Peterberg is not. He, he can assemble uh, a picture. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's just it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg went around and I don't know reconstructing the the, <laughs> the 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 scene and and then yeah and then the shootout where they actually capture the bomber is insane. It's I think it's one of those great sequences. But it's like what did this like this movie about this horrible American tragedy turned into a, a full on like Michael Bay picture <laughs> like. Flip. There's like a cop SUV that like gets blown up and flips in the air. I don't remember this, but I'll um, take your word. That's maybe some some artistic liberty for sure. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, that was a, a crazy time because like the bomber was like running through the suburbs. He was like on the loose throughout the suburbs. And I was like texting my family being like, are you OK? Like hmm. the entire state was on high alert. It was like a very weird time. Are is this director actor combo the most nuanced choice to portray these events? No, but it's what we got. <laughs> um, so I would say that's my kind of historical true story. Well, component. That is actually my next category as Perfect. well. Um, you've got um, early scenes um, of what's love got to do with it. Uh, uh, take place in St. Louis because Ike Turner is from St. Louis um uh tina turner i can't remember she the movie starts in is it mississippi or i think it's mississippi small town mississippi but then she as a young girl moves with her family to st louis that's where she meets ike turner all that stuff uh is there and i think some of it was shot there um i'm not sure um really but then now we get to the movie that i think is the best st louis movie because Watch it's just it. a great it's a great movie. Um, uh, Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill. Uh, oh, which is... I still not seen. Oh, okay. Well, anytime you want to borrow the Blu-ray, when you bring me back my Misery I... Blu-ray, I'll leave the Legend <laughs> I, of the Hill. I, I blind bought the Blu-ray of King of the Hill <laughs> many years ago and have yet to watch it. 
Um, but it's based on the autobiography of uh, a, a real the, the memoir, I guess, real the real guy, A.E. Hotchner, about his childhood uh, living in a, a kind of tenement slum, I guess, in uh, 1910, 19, no, it's 1930. Oh, yeah, it's the Depression. That's right. Yeah, uh, Depression era uh, St. Louis. It's a really great movie. Um, and uh, even though it takes place during the Depression, it actually, I think, is the rare St. Louis movie to actually capture what I think St. Louisans like think of as their city as being like this historic place, you know, with like the old cobblestone streets and, and, um, row houses and, and, and stuff. Um, the, the stuff that St. Louisans, I think who are proud of their city, like, uh, King of the Hill kind of actually brings back to life. Uh, and it's just a great movie. Well, there's oh, yeah. no history. Sorry, I had one more. I, oh. I had one more historical one. I almost forgot it because I haven't actually seen this movie. Okay. <laughs> and this is much more recent history, but this is actually, it connects me and Julie here. Oh. Okay. Fever pitch. Okay. Because they had to rewrite and reshoot the end of that movie because the Boston Red Sox won the World Series, <laughs> which they weren't <laughs> supposed to do. The whole premise of the movie is that he's a fan of a team that are perennial losers they had to change the ending and um the team that the boston red sox beat in the world series were the st louis cardinals and they i believe they won in st louis and so um they shot i I think uh jimmy fallon and drew barrymore like were at that game and shot like them celebrating in character uh whereas jimmy fallon was probably also really celebrating um uh in in st louis so that's that's another of of more recent history uh, i mean you'd think if you could rely on the red sox to do one thing it would be lose but then they got good yeah (laughs) they had the audacity to get good yeah um yeah there's no history in portland so my next category (laughs) is a real uh beer off track um there's just a lot of weird people in oregon (laughs) and there's a lot of films that tap into that uh, energy um most notably probably one flew over the cuckoo's nest which is certainly full of share of characters um is based on a book by ken kesey who actually wrote um the book is also set in oregon but he wrote based on his experiences working at a facility in california but he is from oregon so it all kind of comes back to there um and then Jack Nicholson actually made a couple of movies before One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that shot at least partially in Oregon. Um, Five Easy Pieces is the more famous of the two. Uh, pretty much everything after he leaves California, kind of go back to visit um, his family, all that's in Oregon. Um, and certainly kind of points to a sort of like outsider, uneasy character of which Oregon is filled. Um, and then the other Jack Nicholson movie is one he directed, Drive, he said, Um, which shot at some Oregon school and kind of like gets at a sort of element of counterculture education that proliferates throughout the uh, greater Portland area and well into the college town suburbs. Um, And kind of along those lines, an excellent Elliot Gould uh, counterculture movie from 1970 called Getting Straight, where Elliot Gould, it's not actually set in Oregon. It doesn't, it's not set anywhere. It's just some fictional college university. But uh, the title refers to Elliot Gould trying to leave behind his kind of counterculture ways and trying to just be a regular straight ahead professor, but slowly getting sucked back into the, the uh, revolutionary scene of the late 60s. 
Uh, it's Elliot Gould, one of his Elliot Gouldiest. He's very uh, a lot of use that as an adjective. Hell yeah, a <laughs> lot of lot of yelling and a lot of uh, you know very broad gesturing, a lot of big speeches, um, but very very cool energy. Um, Green Room, the recent thriller about uh, Nazis, um, points to the unfortunate white supremacist angle of Oregon weirdos that hang out on the fringes and occasionally invade the city and get into fights with the leftists. That's very recent Portland history. Um, but yeah, Oregon does have an unfortunate history and some would argue, and I think correctly, very much present of uh, white supremacy um, that still lingers in the uh, shadows. So Green Room was right to set its action there. Um, the Aaron Katz uh, detective lackadaisical movie Cold Weather is a very, yeah. very cool Portland movie. Um, very accurately titled, as Julie can attest from our year of living in Portland and not and rightfully not being able to take its persistent rain. Um, it's, I don't think it's the most successful movie, but I, I think it is a really solid uh, portrait of Portland. And uh, it kind of gets at um, some Patton Oswalt said when he was in town to host a screening, I think it was of the fan or whatever, big fan, whatever the big hell. Big fan, yeah. Yeah. He hosted a screening of big fan in Portland. And he was like, Portland is a city that just needs like a big motivation bomb dropped on it. Like <laughs> I, I was walking down the street and somebody couldn't even be motivated to cross the sidewalk. They just saw that the sign was already flashing. They're like, oh, I'll get the next one. <laughs> and cold weather is kind of about a guy who tries to be a detective, but as is typical of the Portland outsider lacks the motivation to be a proper one. Um, <laughs> so definitely worth mentioning. Um, real quick bit of Portland history that I think I learned from um an episode of no reservations with Anthony bourdain sure um you probably went there the term to get shanghai comes from yeah that portland? does come from portland yeah um the uh so portland this this is an interesting bit of history that they unfortunately to my knowledge haven't made a movie about it. although i think it factors in pig because the tunnels in pig are these same right. tunnels i believe yeah. um there's a whole network of tunnels underground Portland that uh, used to be used when they would get sailors drunk and just take them under the bar, ship them through the tunnels and uh, throw them on a boat. And suddenly they were crewing a boat. <laughs> and uh, and they'd w- the idea is they'd wake up on their way to Shanghai. And that's yeah. what I meant to get to be Shanghai. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a bit of a grab bag next. There are some like Massachusetts movies. I just couldn't fit into anything else. Um, I have a couple movies that I really like that is the rare movie about like just nice people leading nice lives in Boston, which I honestly feel like is so rare. Um, one is Next Stop Wonderland, which is. I think, oh, directed uh, by Brad Anderson. Yeah. And I think he's a, a local, but I think it's yeah, like movie. 99 or 2000. It's like just a rom-com. It's just, yeah. just this nice movie about like Hope Davis falling in love and it like shows the city in a positive light, but also like it is very Boston. It's not just like we're in some anonymous place. It's like, and I remember watching it and being like, Oh, there can be this, like we're allowed to have this. Did they shoot? Was that one that has parts of the aquarium? I think there's the aquarium. I know there's a lot on the, on the, the blue line. I think. Yeah. Well, that would be the aquarium. So yeah, but yeah, we watched that together. Very very pleasant Boston movie. Yeah. 
Um, another very pleasant Boston movie is uh, Between the Lines, which is from the 70s. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's about a group of journalists working at like an alternative newspaper. Um, it has a great ensemble cast with Jeff Goldblum. And again, it like shows the city, but it's just like this is this is a city where people live and have normal lives and aren't just like killing people in Southie. <laughs> but that's, a, that's I really love that movie. Yeah, yeah it's lines. pretty terrific. And it has an amazing cast, including a very young Bruno Kirby. Oh, right. Who, yeah. um, it's like, cause there's like a hipster, like before we use that term, it's like a hip alt weekly. And he's like the poser who wants to write for them basically. And he writes something at one point that I think of all the time. Cause it's so funny where he writes, like, if you're like me, you're a big fan of enamel pins. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, very charming movie. Highly recommend. Um, Less charming, but still a quality picture. Unsane. <laughs> Unsane is a Boston movie. Um, I mean, a lot of it is set in an asylum, but before it is, it is in Boston. Um, I think Saad, that's one of his iPhone movies, right? Yeah. I think he shoots the city in a very interesting way where like Boston does have a lot of like skyscrapers and tall buildings and he shoots Claire Foy like against them in such a way that she looks very like small and terrified. Mm. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the recent movie Pieces of a Woman, which I did not care for, says it's in Boston. It is very Canada. I am watching this movie and I'm like, this is the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't even know why they said it in Boston. Like, why can't it just be Canada? Uh, question. I'm not sure. They, there seemed to be no reason it couldn't just be Canada, except maybe they have better health care. <laughs> yeah, that, that would factor in. Um, uh, Ted and Ted 2. Got to mention those. Um, you know, I think a lot of, again, they shot a lot in Canada, but um, yeah, obviously mm. very Boston has Tom Brady in the second one, et cetera. Um, Mermaids. We actually watched that recently because of Natalie's recommendation. Um, wow. That's, shot all over Massachusetts. That's set in the sixties. I think, mm -hmm. um, very kind of charming, small town vibes. Um, the verdict, that was another one that shot all over Boston. Um, I think Boston is playing itself. Um, and that's another one where you don't have Paul Newman doing like, he's not trying to pack mm -hmm. the car. He <laughs> Paul Newman at no point packs the car. Um, I think the, the Cohen's really wrought a lot of, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, actors who have to like meet with a, uh, a, a, a dialect coach to like talk about to talk like well how, how would i talk about him from tallahassee as opposed to jacksonville <laughs> like i think the coens are ultimately to blame for that yeah i mean again i think it is like the other thing about the boston accent is it's very tied to class like people have asked me they're like why don't you have a boston accent and i'm like because i didn't come from one of the towns that has it like it really does have a lot to do with money i grew up in a very rich suburb um, my parents both used to have it went to college, moved to the suburbs, lost it. Mm. Notably, one of um, my mom's sisters who did not go to college and stayed in the city still has it. It's like very class driven. So like- Well, that comes plays... up in The de in the Departed. Mark Wahlberg says yeah. something about like Leonardo DiCaprio as a kid of a divorce, as a kid. He like, he's like, I bet you had one accent when you were with your mom and one accent when you were with your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, Paul Newman, he's like a lawyer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's- And a drunk. Yeah. So he's fancy. He doesn't have it. Right. Um, also recent best picture winner Coda. That was uh, in Gloucester um, there because they're a fishing family and that shot there. Um, also another like charming movie guy and Madeline on a park bench. So there That's is a Damien weird... Chazelle. Yeah. Yes. There is a weird Damien Chazelle erasure where people think whiplash is his first movie. It's not. 
his first movie was in 2009. He started it as a college thesis. Um, and then it kind of morphed into its own thing. Imagine if La La Land was filmed in Boston on grainy uh, black and white film stock for no money. That's mm-hmm. what it is. And it's very charming. It's very charming. Um, sure, there's, like yeah, there's a lot of like tap dancing and like playing jazz. And it's just very like immersed in the city. Yeah. Um, I was like watching the trailer again today and be like, oh, yeah, they're because they were also, I think, shooting it like verite. Like they had no permits, probably. Yeah, because they shoot stuff on the T and I can't imagine. Oh, no. Yeah. It's just like all over in the parks. And it's like just very immersed because he was going to Harvard at the time. Um, so that is very charming. Um, Knives Out is set in Massachusetts. They it shot there as well, but it's just like in a house. So I'm like, okay, sure. Um, in a, a kind of Cape Cod subset, Cape Cod Martha's Vineyard, um, Jaws, Jaws shot in oh, Martha's right. Vineyard. It's supposed to be vaguely New England. Um, the Ghost Rider. Um, uh, you bumped the microphone. I bumped the microphone. Okay. Um, um they shot that's roman, roman polanski's the ghost writer yeah yes sorry not the nick cage motorcycle <laughs> no. flaming yeah. um, it's set in martha's vineyard but they shot it in europe because he cannot legally enter the united states um oh why what what happened oh, oh my gosh you you didn't hear <laughs> um, lost his passport years yeah, ago it's Never a real administrative nightmare um there's also a movie from the fifties called walk East on beacon. And I'm saying that cause there's an exclamation point at the end. That was like <laughs> one of those early procedurals where like half of the movie is just like voiceover explaining how the FBI works. Um, but that's another one where it's very interesting to see like a fifties view of Boston. Cause it looks the same. Boston is an old city that just yeah. like looks the same for a long time in a lot of ways. Um, the Kevin James motion picture zookeeper filmed at the Franklin park zoo <laughs> in the suburbs of massachusetts and apparently a giraffe died (laughs) during the production so r.i.p to the giraffe um the thomas crown affair the original thomas crown affair shot in boston set in boston another movie scott and i talked about last week somehow really (laughs) most i've thought about the thomas crown affair in quite some time (laughs) because i brought up the weird we were talking about rollerball and i brought up the weird coincidence that john mctiernan has remade two different norman norman jewison movies that is weird um, and then a movie Scott can speak to better than me, but night and day that's night with a K. I mean, I saw it 10 years ago, but yes, the beginning of the film does take place in Boston. <laughs> well, I know you're just a big night and day stand. Well, so. yeah. Night and day is fantastic and everybody should see it. It's probably the best thing, uh, James Mangle's done, but you know, it's a shallow pool there too. Um, um well, I, I guess I'm next yeah, and then Scott's going to finish. So I only have two movies left, which I'm loosely categorizing is they shot there because the novel is set there. Um, and it, so, so one is leaving St. Louis it's not called leaving St. Louis, but leaving the St. Louis area gone girl is a movie or as St. Louisans uh, yeah. would say, it's got gone girl is a movie that mostly takes place in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And then part of it is at the Lake of the Ozarks as well. I think that's where Neil Patrick Harris's Lake house is supposed to be. Um, but um yeah, mostly uh, in in Cape Girardeau, and they did shoot uh, down in that area. Cape Girardeau um, is uh, where both my mom and my sister went to college. Southeast hmm. Missouri State is there. They have a good nursing school. Both my mom and my sister went there. And the other one, I don't know how much of it actually shot there because only very a very small part of the movie takes place um, actually just outside of St. Louis and St. Charles. But Manhunter, hmm. because Thomas Harris is in. in in um 
Thomas Harris's novel, uh, The Tooth Fairy, is based in St. Louis. Um, the novel, actually, speaking of hockey teams, there's like a conversation about one of his earliest conversations with the, uh, oh, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, the blind woman that he is. Oh my God, I'm such a, I consider myself like a big, like, Red Dragon fan, and I can't remember now. Uh, you can no name. longer call yourself a Red Dragon fan. I know, I keep on drawing a blank on, on her name. But anyway, one of the earliest like, conversations they have is about the St. Louis Blues, who were like new at, in the early, they started in the late 60s. Um, anyway, so um, that's, I, I, I don't know how much, I haven't done the research to find out how much of the movie was actually shot there. Um, or if they, because there's like when William Peterson goes to find the figures out who his tooth fairy is, uh, sorry, Will Graham is the character that William Peterson, uh, we see the aforementioned Lambert airport and we definitely see like a car driving down interstate 70. Um, but I don't, I don't know how much of the movie was shot there or if Michael Mann just like sent a team out to get some like uh you know a second unit out to 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 get right. some, some shots of st louis i don't know i haven't looked that up but um yeah that's a uh red dragon is a a big uh i don't think a lot of people are happy that the tooth fairy is from red <laughs> dragon but uh it, that movie that novel does have a lot of st louis representation it is very specific about about that and it also brings uh, i I would to get back to, to come full circle and do some more St. Louis advocacy. <laughs> one of the great scenes in Manhunter, also one of the great scenes in Hannibal the TV series, is when the Tooth Fairy, uh Francis Dollarhide, takes I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. Um uh uh God damn it. Why anyway, uh <laughs> takes her to the zoo because he has an in with like the vet at the zoo where they have sedated a lion and lets her pet a sleeping lion. That's great. And it, but it also allows me to bring up the fact that low key St. Louis has one of the best zoos in the country. Um, And it is also unlike all the other great zoos in the country, completely free at all times. Hey, yeah, that is a big. That is something St. Louisans are very proud of. That this, did, did, the, they, did they kill any giraffes while they yeah. made that movie, or are you you? <laughs> no, I on think that? the 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 tiger survived. Okay, um, perfect. Or are they just but, killing them routinely because they can't afford the upkeep because they're not <laughs> making any money on it? <laughs> Dark. Uh, um, no, it's a taxpayer funded. You know, that's well, it sounds like like, like, not- like more things should be. Right. They said like <sighs> more things should be, and I was like, what? I said, you know um her name is i almost i almost said rita it's not rita it's reba that's the character the blind character's name obviously from Red Dragon. okay you can forget i'm glad reba. that you came you're at peace now <laughs> yeah uh my last section is one that i will try not to spend too much time on because i surely could but just um addressing the major portland auteurs kelly reichardt and gus van sant um who have each set several of their movies a sizable chunk of each filmography in uh the Portland area and greater Portland area. Um, the first Kelly record movie I saw was old joy. Uh, and I think it was 2005 movie. I'm pretty sure I saw my first year in Boston and was a very strong, like feeling nostalgic for Portland vibes. Cause it, it shoots in a lot of landmarks that I recognized immediately. And I think the hike they do is in forest park. I haven't seen it since then. So I don't remember too specifically, but it's just kind of like 
two dudes talking about life at very different points and kind of taps in that same weirdo outsider culture that I mentioned before. Uh, her next movie, Wendy and Lucy is more of kind of like, well, it's, it sounds like it's more of a St. Louis movie. Cause it's about people passing through Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Michelle Williams is on her way to Alaska and just gets kind of waylaid in Portland for a little while and very much points to something that, uh, it, you know, it kind of came out right as the recession hit. And so there was a lot of writing around the movie about how timely it was not knowing that the recession was coming. Um, but Portland's long been a place that people pass through or wind up at because of financial constraints. I mean, that's how my dad ended up there is he moved to California from Michigan and was like, I can't vibe with California. And then just kept moving North until he ran out of money where he ran out of money in Portland. Um, so Portland has a strong history of kind of like people just kind of winding up there, a very strong working class background. And generally one of the things that's very touching about Wendy and Lucy is the way that like, uh, people who are also about as poor as she is just kind of look out for her. And there's a lot of that kind of culture amongst uh, people in Portland uh, at, you know, kind of at or near the poverty line. Um, the one bit of history I can point to with Oregon set off settings, of course, her film Meek's Cutoff, which is about the Oregon Trail. It's probably the only film I can think of made about the Oregon Trail. Um, which is weird. Which is weird considering yeah. it's now like, a marketable nostalgia point for uh, millennials of all remembering playing the computer game. Um, But uh, solid film very much points to, well, what we all knew from playing the computer game, which is that just tough, uh, tough Rowan to get across the country there. Um, And then one of my favorite Kelly Riker movies that almost nobody talks about is night moves, um, which is about uh, environmental activists who are trying to blow up a dam. If I recall correctly, Um, which is kind of like the classic, like environmentalist hardcore move. Um, but which definitely taps into a strong sense of environmentalism that runs through. I mean, it, Portland is a very left leaning city in almost every respect, but especially environmental causes are very near and dear to leftist Portland hearts. And, um, there's a lot of organizations out there kind of advocating in both, uh, you know, illegal and legal manners, um, and it's just a really cool thriller that I wish um, got talked about more in her filmography because I think it's one of her very best. Um, and then on to Gus Van Sant, who I really could spend the entire podcast talking about in general. So I tried to keep it fairly brief. Um, but from his debut film, Malanoche, uh, which was based off, I can't remember the novelist's name, but um, it was kind of a Portland underground novelist who I think, I don't know if he self-published, but it was a very small print run of his book. Um and which he resisted Gus Van Sant adapting because he thought anything associated with movies would somehow involve too much money, even though Gus Van Sant had like the amount of money he had in his bank account to make the movie. Um, and he spent like the entire Walt Curtis, Walt Curtis. Yeah. He spent the entire like pre-production trying to convince Walt Curtis that uh, he really was as poor as, uh, as Walt was. Um, Your flex. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, is a really solid look at the kind of Portland underground culture and kind of its immigrant culture, which is not uh, as widely discussed because as mentioned before, Portland is a very white city. Um, His next film drugstore cowboy was a bit bigger budget endeavor and um, definitely gets into Portland's kind of druggy scene has a lot of great kind of like vaguely abandoned Portland houses, which exist all over. 
Um, probably the best movie ever made about Portland is My Own Private Idaho, which uh, very much gets at the way, like I said, people will both end up in Portland because they have no financial opportunity to move out and kind of make their way. You know, it's about um, hustler culture and kind of gay for pay or as best content, more accurately termed it, gay for survival, um, prostitution culture. But it's also about um, Keanu Reeves plays a rich kid who just kind of like slums it in these cultures to like gain some kind of cred and sense of authenticity and kind of break away from his family. Uh, and as someone who went to a very rich Catholic high school, there's plenty of that going around too, of like rich kids trying to kind of get some street cred going. Um, and in that sense, in, in, in addition to just like portraying the city in a very beautiful and uh, geographically pleasing way, um, I, I think that sense of culture is really what makes it kind of like the best movie ever made about the city. Um, even Cowgirls Got the Blues was at least partially shot in the Oregon area, but I, I don't remember specifically enough where, but I do think think it's worth mentioning because it's definitely like as far as the uh stereotype of kind of portland hippie vibes it definitely taps into that and is a big reason why i really love the movie even though it's kind of like the most maligned of gus van sant's uh 90s period uh it was kind of viewed as him going too far into his own indulgences but i'm like those are some good indulgences man <laughs> um Elephant, his Palme d'Or winning film shot um, at a local Portland high school. And it's not the Portland aspect of it isn't dwelled upon too much within the context of the film. But um, there's a lot about I mean, he's pretty much like taking inspiration from the Columbine massacre. But there's a lot about that that transposes to most American suburbs, well, most white American suburbs throughout the country. And which is certainly true of Portland as well, just the kind of sense of alienation and like self-imposed uh, exile that a lot of, you know, maladjusted teens experience. And frankly, the certain degree of gun culture that proliferates in Oregon, like as with most um, states that exist at kind of a vague uh, rural remove. Uh, the Portland film that I probably, I still think my own private Idaho is probably the best film ever made about Portland, but the one I really relate to most is Paranoid Park, which is one of Gus Van Sant's best movies and one of his least discussed. Um, it's about this kid who goes to suburban Portland high school who witnesses and is kind of like indirectly responsible for this like horrible accident where a guy gets killed and kind of about the kid trying to suss out his degree of responsibility in that and where he sits. Um, and it gets his name from this kind of like Portland skate park that he's kind of like investing in the culture there. And it's just a really very spot on portrait of kind of like the way, I mean, I certainly remember this from growing up there of just like the time you have as a teen to do nothing and just like sit with your thoughts and just like weird cultures that you get invested in because you just have nothing but time. And, um, it has a really good portrait of the city's geography, a lot of kind of areas of highways that don't get shown a lot. Um, and kind of also calls to mind, this is off the Gus Van Sant track, but uh, Aaron Katz's Dance Party USA, which is also about Portland suburban teens who uh, are kind of dwelling in a, a degree of darkness that they're not w ready to totally confront. Um, so both of those, they make an excellent pair and they're both rather short. So you could honestly watch them together. And then I should at least mention that he shot Restless there, even though it's by far his worst film. Um, and Don't Worry, He Won't, won't Get Far on Foot wasn't shot as much in Portland as I expected. There are a couple of scenes that were shot there, but it's about a Portland cartoonist um, whose name I... Like John, John Callahan? 
think yeah. Callahan. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. A famous Portland cartoonist who was very key to kind of the burgeoning all weekly scene in the eighties and nineties. Um, and which Gus Van Sant was of course perfectly uh, suited to adapting his life story and tried to get on screen for quite a while. Um, he was originally going to do it with Robin Williams in the nineties but um, kept kind of like getting pushed off and falling through, but it's a really good movie. I, I think it's one of the more underrated his and kind of unfairly overlooked, a really good portrait of a life and the way that uh, when you get to a certain point, you start to reflect on your whole life in kind of a moving river. This not like a series of events, but a constant series of memories and reflections and stuff like that. And I'm a fan of that movie too. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It, um, it does a really good job of portraying the kind of Portland alt scene um, and the way that people kind of like get weird professional careers based on like, I mean, his cartoon, his, the John Callahan's work is not the most artistically advanced, but it's kind of has this weird kernel of inspiration that Portlanders latched onto. Um, All right. I would also, uh, yeah, we'll, oh, go ahead. Um, I would say just to, there's a couple more commercially minded Portland ones that neither of us have seen, which is Stand By Me and Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, Stand By Me oh. is a good blind spot. Yeah, I but, like Stand By Me. But we are acknowledging them, and they have been acknowledged. Also, um, uh, The Hunt, Benicio Del Toro, was shot in Portland. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to mention, because I, I focus so much on St. Louis, I do want to mention a couple of the Missouri movies. I'm going to get like accused by Kansas Cityans of like ignoring Kansas City, including the movie Kansas City, which I've never seen. But the Robert Altman movie Kansas City, uh, which is where Robert Altman is from outside hmm. of there, um, shot entirely in Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas. Um, Scott Frank's The Lookout shot entirely in uh, Ontario, California or Ontario, Ontario uh, Canada, but um, takes place um, um on the on the border um and then speaking of borders and speaking of history i definitely should have talked about uh ang lee's ride with the devil which i haven't seen since the theater but uh that is an historical civil war movie about actual um missourians who uh missouri never seceded and never had like was officially part of the confederacy but they nonetheless they managed to have some people who just believe so strongly in the confederacy that they fought <laughs> on that side and right with the devil is about them um but uh i don't know I, maybe you guys have seen ride with ride with the devil more, more never recently. seen it no. oh, okay because i generally like ang lee and I, I remember i remember not liking ride with the devil but maybe i'm wrong uh but yeah i i wanted to mention mention those um and yeah i wanted to give a shout out to kansas city a perfectly fine city <laughs> obviously <laughs> but you're not going to stump for them you're not going to be the tourism board for them no that because that is there is a bit of a uh a, a rivalry and maybe it is a bit lopsided in the way that st louisans are envious of chicago i do think kansas city has some st louis envy that st louis and st louis gets all the attention and also that st louisans think they're better than the rest of the state which is kind of true um you, i i have i mean it's i'm I'm I've been guilty of it in my life. I have learned to like say I'm from Missouri, but generally St. Louisans when they travel outside of the state don't say they're from Missouri. They say they're from St. Louis because I do think there is a little bit of a snobbishness sure. like we don't live 
on farms like right. St. Louis and we're a real city because we still have this chip on our shoulders about the fact that St. Louis was once one of the great American cities and isn't anymore. And so I do think there's, there's some uh, insecurity that leads to snobbery. You guys messed it up. You're given this great opportunity. Yeah. Um, as long as we're in the, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention section, just a few titles that I forgot to mention throughout the course of the episode, uh, animal house shot at uh, U of O. Um, bu- 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 I talked about that. Talked about that. Oh, free Willy whale movie. Yeah. Solid has a great shot of Pioneer Clara square, which is kind of like the centerpiece of downtown Portland. But that's about all I remember, aside from the part where they free Willie. D- does Willie right. go to Pioneer Courthouse? Though? Yeah, you know, <laughs> he has a whale of a time. Oh, baby. Um, I actually met Willie very briefly on a fourth grade field trip. Um, yeah, what was he like? Charming fella. <laughs> uh, Lean on Pete kind of also points to some of the uh, Portland outsider-ness. Yeah. And uh, Thumbsucker, kind of forgotten mid-aughts uh, indie maladjusted teen movie but decent movie and then i was gonna say i saw it and then i realized i was thinking of tadpole um, <laughs> yeah because there know, were a lot of those it's really time. easy to get these mixed up <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um and then in the technically shot in portland but uh obviously not set there phase portland has a strong stop motion scene um dating back to will vinton studios who did like the uh california raisins commercials and stuff like that and more recently and probably more artistically successfully, the like of movies are shot there because Travis Knight is uh, Phil Knight's son, I believe. Um, right. And Phil Knight, founder of Nike, right. grew up in Portland, found Nike there, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, you just made me realize another movie because I wasn't even thinking about documentaries. Oh, sure. But, um, Michael Moore's The Big One, where he uh, uses his book tour as an excuse to go to a bunch of different corporate headquarters and try to, he tries to pull mini Roger and me's like all these different places. <laughs> and um, I think it's Monsanto. Cause is, cause I know Monsanto is, or at least at the time was headquartered in St. Louis, but also so is TWA, but I think it was Monsanto seems like a more of a Michael Moore tar- target. Um, so I think he tries to go to the Monsanto headquarters in downtown St. Louis uh, in the big one. I completely forgot about, I didn't even think about documentaries. Does he get very far into any of these? It seems very repetitive. Just getting (laughs) turned away at the door. But I don't know. He he was, I mean, he was uh, riding high at that time. And yeah. uh, So uh, I I do remember that movie being kind of funny. No, I'm sure. I mean, he's always funny. Like, yeah, he's always got a strong wit about him. Um, For Portland. I do want to mention we did in the, in the spirit of um, being comprehensive, we did watch an odd little curio this weekend um, called Portland Expose, which is from 1957. Um, And it's like, you don't hear much about Portland from like the middle of the century. So I was just like, I need to know. Um, They shot it on location, um, which is kind of interesting. And what I found funniest is that in the opening narration, they have to like explain what Portland is. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they were just like Portland is a city in the Pacific Northwest with beautiful parks and a, but then the movie's about a corruption scandal. So then they're like, but it's so fucked up with corruption. <laughs> but then at the end they're like, but it's also pretty okay too. Yeah, literally at the end they go, but it's still a nice place to raise a family. <laughs> yeah. It does have a good shot of Union Station, which is very iconic if you know Portland. Yeah, but I, I just like the idea that like Portland had to be explained at the yeah. time. 
Um, I also see you put, I love trouble on your list. I don't remember that being said. Yes, it's not. So okay. um, we talked about this, I think on, on the TCM, episode. A TCM episode, it's set mostly in LA. It was like a weird little programmer forties okay. noir. They go to Portland for like five minutes. They do right. not go outside, but they say they are in Portland, which again, for a movie set in 1948, that jumped out to me because it just like culturally did not have as much of like a, a, mm. a handprint yeah. at the time. So they're like, we're in Portland now. And I'm like, if you say so, but okay, cool. I mean, it's worth mentioning just because I love trouble kicks ass. It does kick ass. I think they just showed it on TCM, actually. If you um, have the app, it's you probably, probably too late by the time this episode goes up. Alas, mm. but if you can, if you can find it, um, highly recommended. Um, I have a few that are in the category of shot in Massachusetts, but it's supposed to be somewhere else or it's never addressed. Um, some backstory to that is around 2007, 2008, the tax incentive program's going strong. We're all happy. There was talk of building a movie studio in Plymouth, as in like Plymouth Rock Pilgrims. Mm-hmm. They were going to call it Plymouth Rock Studios. They literally, I think, made a giant sign that said Hollywood East that looked like the Hollywood sign. And they were going to like it. So being in film school at the time, every family gathering, my family, who does not want me to move away, gets in my face and goes like, do you know the building this studio right here? You can be in the biz, but be near your family. And I'm like, guys, this isn't going to work. This is not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to happen because like to me, it was just a total repetition of like how Hollywood started, which is like the very, very early days of silent cinema were in New York and New Jersey. And then they're like, oh, the weather's bad here. Let's go where it isn't bad. So yeah. I was like, are you telling me that a hundred years have passed and y'all forgot about weather? We just forgot. We just forgot weather. Um, <laughs> long story short, they never built that damn studio. <laughs> but in anticipation there and with the tax incentives, there was this big surge kind of at that time. Um, I think it's a good place to shoot. Oh, now you bumped that microphone. It's uh, a good place to shoot because they have the tax incentives, but also it just it can look like just any town USA. Um, But also there's not culture war stuff like a lot of the other filming hubs like Georgia and North Carolina. Now you're getting into like abortion bans. Massachusetts is just like, we're cool, baby. We're not going to be weird. Come shoot here. Um, So in terms of kind of that mid aughts boom, um, the Dane Cook movie, My Best Friend's Girl. Oh, God, I saw I mention it only because I saw it filming. And that was very exciting at the time. Um, The Bruce Willis movie Surrogates. um, I think that's in some weird random uh, future dystopia, but it shot a few few blocks from my apartment. So that was exciting. Um, The remake of The Women um, was set in Connecticut. Forgot that existed. Uh, Exactly. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of... Deborah Messing. Messing. I like Deborah Messing, Meg Ryan. Um, There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Massachusetts subbing for New York, which, again, you mentioned kind of a one way rivalry. There is that kind of thing because Boston was kind of like the East Coast hub for many, many years until New York kind of usurped it. Mm. Um, So I think it is that same. And plus the sports rivalry. So, yeah, um, the women is Connecticut. Um, Obviously, David O. Russell shot The Fighter in Boston. It's supposed to be Boston. He also shot American Hustle and Joy in Massachusetts, but they're subbing for the tri-state area. Um, the Witches of Eastwick shot there, but it's supposed to be Rhode Island. Okay. Um, the Pink Panther 2. Um, that was another one in that 2008 boom. Yeah, these movies were not good. I never said they were good. Um, the Proposal with um, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds actual location unspecified 
Yeah, Massachusetts is a great place to shoot your movie if it just takes place nowhere. Um, I also have to give a shout out to my actual hometown, my town of Sudbury, Massachusetts, a completely nondescript town of about 17,000 people, most notable for being the home to America's ass himself. Chris Evans is from my hometown. Um, But we have a gorgeous church that is from the 1700s. It is this big, beautiful white church that both ghosts of girlfriends past and the invention of lying realized. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ghosts of girlfriends past. Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Garner. What? That's no, that's like 2007. It's 2008, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, yeah, I, a different movie. I seem to be dredging up movies that are deeply forgotten by everyone, which is, you know, I'm not saying okay. these are all hits. <laughs> I was okay. I was going to say something. I was, I was going to say that the first time I, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I walked over to the Chinese uh, to see like a movie premiere, like red carpet and stuff. Um, and I thought it was ghost of girlfriend, girlfriend's past, but it was a different ghost based romantic comedy. 2005 is just like heaven. Oh, sure. Okay. Can't speak to that. Um, But yeah, so we, we never built Plymouth rock studios, RIP, but the tax incentives. Yeah. Sorry. I looked, I looked it up. They had to license the use of the Hollywood sign from the Hollywood chamber of commerce. Um, The temporary installation of the sign standing five feet tall and 45 feet across at the Plymouth courthouse was unveiled in July, 2008, but was quickly removed after various groups objected. Yep. (laughs) It didn't work out, folks. Um, but yeah, some more recent ones. The movie Labor Day shot in Massachusetts. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't like think movie. it's ever addressed where they are. Um, but that's we look, got the Jason Reitman connection. here. Jason Reitman connection. Uh, exactly. Up in the air, Labor Day. Um, don't Look Up. Apparently shot mostly in Massachusetts, subbing for New York. Okay. Sorry, had to mention it. Um, uh, Sound of Metal shot all over uh, Massachusetts oh. without mentioning it. Um, I had this theory that like, you know, obviously the easy move would be to shoot these movies in LA, but LA has palm trees and people will see the palm trees and be like, this isn't America. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just like, they need somewhere without palm trees and Massachusetts works. Doesn't Um, have palm trees. It doesn't have palm trees. Also, um, the tender bar from last year. I, so I heard about this movie. I heard that it shot in Massachusetts and it starred Ben Affleck. I just assumed it was set there. It's not, it's set in New York. I felt betrayed. (laughs) You can't Um, shoot in Massachusetts with an Affleck and set it in New York. You just can't. You mentioned, um, your, your hometown of Sudbury being the home of Chris Evans. Now I am, um, from St. Louis officially is where I was born is where I lived until I was like two, and my parents moved first to the south suburbs and then to the west suburbs. So I'm not going to name all the St. Louis celebrities. There are a lot of celebrities from the St. Louis area. But I was. I mean, mostly... I think you've named them all on this podcast throughout yeah. the years, whatever yes, they I come up. Um, but I, w- I mostly grew up in a suburb of St. Louis called Baldwin, Missouri. Very small. Um, uh, and that is, I only recently learned this, that is the home of Evan Peters. Evan okay. Peters is from Baldwin. All right. He went to a different high school than I did. Also, he's younger than I. Um, but anyway, I think we did it. I think we're we're done, yeah. right? We exhausted. I, I would list. just like I would love to quickly ask a hypothetical question. Okay. So we've all we've all aired some grievances maybe about how our home states have been depicted. If you could make like fantasy mate like in your wildest imagination, what kind of like home state movie would you like to see that does not exist at present? 
I'm not that creative on the fly. Well, you mentioned yeah. the, the Shanghai Tunnel thing. That's true. I don't know how much of a movie there is to make of that, though. That would still be set in Portland. I think kind of pig was the right way to take it because you get sure. the tunnels in there and you get a sense of the history without just a series of men being drunkenly hoodwinked into going out to sea. <laughs> I was trying to figure yeah. out in Ghost of Girlfriend Pass, is it just a bunch of dead girlfriends? Um, I don't think they're dead. I think the premise is it's loosely borrowed from a Christmas carol. Right. But I don't think they're I don't think they're dead. You're looking at the synopsis. Is it not made clear? No, because it is like ghosts show up and they're all of his past girlfriends. But at no point is like, this is how they died. This this guy just cursed. (laughs) That's interesting because obviously like in a Christmas carol, like a lot of the ghosts, they aren't like literal, right? Like they're, they don't correspond to actual people. These do. Right. Figured out that much. So that is an interesting complication that I cannot speak to. What if that's the twist of the movie is that he's a serial killer? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's my pitch Um, is that we remake a dark, gritty crime version of ghosts of girlfriends. Past. (laughs) Um, I guess I would like to see a movie about um, music in St. Louis. Sure. um, Blues into rock and roll. But of course the two biggest figures in rock and roll from St. Louis, Ike Turner and Chuck Berry are both pretty problematic in, in, in their own ways. Um, but I guess, I mean, what's love got to do with it did get to some of that. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's off the fly off the top of my head. That's sure. That's what I can. I I didn't submit that question in advance. Sorry. I caught you off guard, but, but dare to dream, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think what uh, what else happened. <laughs> what else ever happened in? But like that isn't like because it also like the Dred Scott case. But I don't even mean it doesn't St. have Louis. to be a true story. It could just be like yeah. a, a yeah. movie where St. Louis looks pleasant. I've got a new pitch: a romantic comedy about rival food cart owners because Portland has a strong food cart scene. Okay. Ideally, it'd probably have to be set 10 years ago because the food cart scene was much stronger then and probably arguably less regulated. But um, I'm always looking for more romantic comedies. So there we go. Oh, I'm going to. OK, I'm going to say an entire movie inspired by the Wilco song Heavy Metal Drummer, uh, because uh, Jeff Tweedy is from Illinois, but near St. Louis. And the opening lines of that song are. I sincerely miss the heavy metal bands we used to go see on the landing in the summer. And the landing is what we refer to, how we refer to the sort of row of bars and nightclubs and restaurants that's sort of right by the river. It's Laclede's Landing, where Pierre Laclede, the Frenchman who sort of like established St. Louis, landed uh, the Mississippi River. So I'm going to say a movie adaptation of the song Heavy Metal Drummer. That's what I. (laughs) All right. That's what I want. I, I think um, if we can figure oh, out how to but there's crack... also the the we can make a horror movie about the Lemp Brewery, which is uh, 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 a haunted mansion and, and brewery. Yeah, we, we haven't talked about like St. Louis's. We haven't talked about Mark Twain. We haven't talked about uh, Anheuser Busch. Um, uh, you know the the lifeblood of right the of the red blooded American male Budweiser and Bud Light all, so all come I'm from hearing... St. Louis. 
What I'm hearing is that you want to produce kind of a waiting for Guffman-esque, like summarizing the entire history of the city yeah. <laughs> cinematic extravaganza. Is yeah, that what I'm all, hearing? All, all at once. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I would love if they can figure out how to make the Revolutionary War interesting. I'm like, guys, this is a major historical event. Surely yeah. there's something. Surely. I think your espionage yeah. pitch is the way to go. Yeah, Certainly can't stand those battlefields. Because they had that show, that show oh, turn right. or whatever. With uh, with uh, Billy Elliot, right? Well, yeah. I said his real name first, but sure. Yes, he was <laughs> Billy Elliot also. <laughs> All right. Um, I, now we're just like our wheels are <laughs> spinning. So let's uh, let's wrap it up right? All right. Uh, you can find uh, me at battleshipretention.com. There should be movie reviews there. I'm kind of swamped right now, um, but that's generally where movie reviews appear is at battleshipretention.com. You can email me at david at battleshipretension.com. Email Tyler at tyler at battleshipretension.com. I don't think he's checking his email right now, but he might be. I don't know. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Oh, and check out my other podcast, The One Where I Met Your Mother. Well, my uh, wife and I watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week. Except right now where we are, we're at the end of season three. And I'm guessing because of the writer's strike, there are only 20 episodes of How I Met Your Mother in season three. And there are 25 episodes of Friends, which means we have five episodes of Friends and know How I Met Your Mother. So, of course, we do what we do whenever that happens at the end of every season. We watch at random an episode of the great uh, and, and lamented Food Network series Mystery Diners. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the pivot <laughs> it's yeah, pretty impressive yeah. that they still managed to get 20 episodes out in the writer's strike yeah lost was doing yeah. like nine but well is that true i feel like no, they did more than that they did, i think they did like, they did like 15 16. or 16 yeah yeah uh breaking bad only did seven but they obviously had a shorter order to yeah. work with to begin with but i think veronica mars also got 18 to 20 episodes in its last Hell yeah, season they did. Right? <laughs> all right so uh let's go julie next where where can people find you um i'm on twitter at says no says that's s-e-s-n-o underscore s-a-y-s um i'm also in therapy like your girl is working shit out like highly recommend um also i'm not affiliated with them i know a lot of people say therapy is too expensive you're right it is um but there's a website called open path collective where you can get um, it's therapists from all over the country and you can get appointments, um, for between 30 to $60 a session. So, um, I'm not affiliated with them. I don't have a discount code. I'm sorry. I just think that's a cool resource that you should check out if you want to go to therapy, but, um, money is a concern. Uh, I am on Twitter at rail of tomorrow. If you request to follow me, I might see it. I recently learned that you can see it. Um, and on Letterboxd, um, catching up with some 2022 movies, Julie and I have been to the Lemley NoHo 7, a staggering four nights in a row, trying to catch up on the recent cinema. Um, and well, so you got to get it in while you can, because apparently that, that theater is not long for this world. No, Wait, what? NoHo specifically? Yeah. This Why? Is, the, the writing's kind of been on the wall for a while, because uh, when the new owners bought it, they... Uh, contractually only had to continue letting a theater be in that space for a certain amount of time. And I think that time is up in the spring and apparently, uh, yeah, they're going to build more luxury apartments. Of course they are. Would it help if we went there four times a day? <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll do anything. I don't think you can anymore. They're on like three show times a day. Okay. Three times a day. That's yeah. uh, 
That's a damn shame. But they said the same thing yeah. about the Pasadena, only to kick Lemley out and invite Landmark in. So I'm constantly in yeah. flux about uh, the state. And then like the Lumiere Music Hall was supposed to get kicked out, but they're like, hell no, we're staying. And they seem to have just like staked it out and are defending their territory with muskets or something. I don't know what's going on. They, I love the musical. They seem- have the weirdest schedule because yeah. they like they have a different movie for every slot of the day. So they're currently showing like 15 movies. Yeah. <laughs> they have three screens, but they just show show each one one time a day. I know. It's a wild scene out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's one of the only LA theaters that's showing Dead for a Dollar this weekend. So I might end up there. Um, what was happening? Yeah, letterboxed. Uh, I got some catching up to you on my capsule reviews of the recent cinema. All right. Well, um, thank you guys for, well, Julia, thank you for co-hosting. Scott, thank you for being here. Um, Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.